Hi, I'm Sonia, an industrial spy telling Sid all I learned earlier today at ITV, the NSC, CBS and REM's HQ. You'll hear it all in a few moments from our studio flying high here in Air Force One. Take it away, Mr. Showbiz. Thank you, Sonia. That's typically beautiful from you. Thank you so very, very much for that enthusiastic introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, hi, hello, and how are you? My name is Sid Griffin. We're here in Air Force One, very hush-hush, and it can't be that hush-hush. We've announced it twice. The first song I'm going to play tonight, uh, we're having a bit of a theme because I've tried to have themes for these shows. So they're just not a random collection of tunes. And uh, I don't think we're going to play anything by myself or the Cole Porters or the Long Riders or any of that stuff. It's just going to be the theme, grimly enough, here in uh, the new year of 2015, the theme, grimly enough, is people that I knew who are no longer with us, obviously musicians. And the first one, uh, the first track I'm going to play is, is by the Jimi Hendrix Experience off of, uh, off of the Electric Ladyland album, a song called Still Raining, Still Dreaming. And you're going to say, wait a minute, you didn't know Jimi Hendrix. And the fact of the matter is, people, I didn't. <laughs> Nor did I know Noel Redding. Well, I had some, bizarrely, I had some contact with Noel Redding in Ireland shortly before he died. He, he put out an LP he put out an album only on LP and he wanted it on CD. So I did have contact with Noel Redding, but I never met him, never saw him. The member of the Jimi Hendrix Experience I actually knew was Mitch Mitchell. Mitch Mitchell, the drummer, was in Los Angeles, really scuffling and struggling. And I got out to LA in October 1977 after leaving for, from Kentucky and I arrived about a 10-day jaunt across America. It was about October 9th or something, Got to L.A. and immediately uh, fell in with the wrong crowd who turned out in the long run to be the right crowd. And to make this story short for once and more concise, what happened was there was a punk place called the Club 88. I believe it's on Pico. was on Pico. It's long gone now. And I would get gigs there with some ghastly bands. Like my first band there was called Death Wish. Lovely guys. Lovely guys, but not a good band. Death Wish. And there's a Death Wish around now, of course. It has nothing to do with me. This is 1978 now, the spring and summer and fall of 78. And Deathwish were uh, playing the Club 88. I, I, and a couple of times, Mitch Mitchell's band was on the bill. The Mitch Mitchell was drumming away in, in these No Hope bands that he was in at the Club 88. And one memorable time I came in to get the guy's name. There was an ex-United States Air Force pilot that wanted to... Uh, help young people. So he was running, and seriously, he wanted to run this, he was running this club. And I went in to speak to him about a gig the next day around four or five in his office. And Mitch Mitchell was in there whining about not getting paid or wanting to get more. And I don't remember what the, his fee was, but Mitch Mitchell, the Jimi Hendrix experience, the poor guy, the late guy was having to argue to get, I think it was $60 or something along those lines, a heartbreaking introduction to Los Angeles. But here's Mitch and his pomp doing Still Raining, Still Dreaming with a Jimi Hendrix experience off Electric Ladyland. Rain a day, rain all day. Ain't no use in getting up tired, just let it groove its own way. Train the worries away. Lay back and groove on a rainy day. Lay back and dream on a rainy day. Lay back and groove
them drums, Mitch. Hit them. Hit them. Recorded under chaotic circumstances at Electric Ladyland Studios in Manhattan, New York City, before the studio was even really finished. They hadn't finished the design of it. That's Mitch Mitchell on drums, the late, great Mitch Mitchell. Now, I didn't know him well. Can't say that I did. This next guy, I spent X amount of time in the company thereof, and I didn't know him very well because he didn't give a lot away. Mitch Mitchell was a very affable little guy. He was nice and warm and friendly. And this guy was fairly warm, kind of friendly, but even people that were in his company for a long time will tell you they didn't know him very well. I'm talking about Gene Clark. Now, I've told the story many times how I met Gene Clark in a bank, and I think it was September of 1978. And the story that he went up to the, the teller and uh, said, I'd like to deposit $4, please. And that really blew my mind that a member of the ex-member of the Birds could be messing with a $4 deposit. But Gene was a marvelous talent, really good looking guy, great singer, and he wrote some fantastic songs. Probably, I, well, I, I think really he is the best songwriter in the Birds. And that's saying something, the original Birds. We're gonna do hear one of Gene's songs now. This is the demo forward slash outtake of Silver Raven, a song my band, the Cole Porters, C-O-A-L, like a chunk of coal folks, have done on occasion. We kind of dropped it from the repertoire, but we did it for two years solid, I think. This is one of Gene's finest. It's called Silver Raven. It then appeared uh, on the wonderful record, No Other. And Gene's no longer with us. And that, like Mitch Mitchell, that is a loss. But I hope maybe they've got a band somewhere up above. Barely. 
over and over with a passing chord of B. Beautiful. I think it's about a satellite, Silver Raven, but only Gene Clark probably could confirm that, and he's no longer with us. After the Long Riders broke up, in fact, when I, when I knew Gene Clark uh, really best and hung out a bit, and I, again, I wasn't a close friend. I don't know how many close friends he had. He didn't give a lot away. But when I was in Gene's company the most often. I was, of course, in the band The Long Riders in the, the years thereafter. That's how we, we met. We did innumerable shows together, and he sang on the song Ivory Tower on our Native Sons album. So this is the Long Riders era. The Long Riders broke up, and I didn't know what to do, so I was just taking some odd jobs for about a year or two. I didn't have to do anything. I had so much money for The Long Riders. Hooray! But then I got a couple of odd jobs trying to figure out what I wanted to do just to tide myself over. You know, do you go back to school? Do you form another band? Do you stand on your head? And I got a job at Rhino Records, not the label, although I did do reissue work for Rhino Records' label, the retail store on Westwood Boulevard under the auspices of the great David Crouch. And David Crouch, Sid Griffin, Mick Crouch's brother, Fast Freddy, Gladys, oh God, so many of us, uh, Scooter, uh, just so, Big JB, wonderful people. And uh, a lot of famous people came in to shop at the Rhino Records store. Ry Cooter came in all the time. The late George Carlin, the, the American comic George Carlin, he came in all the time. I mean, all sorts of, this is Hollywood. Well, not Hollywood itself. It's west of Hollywood. It's Westwood. But it's LA and a lot of celebrities came in to shop. And you find yourself talking to Bonnie Raitt or somebody like that. Charlie Hayden, the jazz bassist used to come in. And I, I didn't know a lot about him at the time. And I have a deep, regret not getting to know him better because now I'm a huge uh, Charlie Hayden fan. I just think the world of his music, I think, um, you know, his passing recently was, was such a loss to American music and his Liberation Orchestra. And he, he did everything. He did jazz music. He did avant-garde. He did traditional music. He started out playing country and Western. And he came in the Rhino store all the time and I spoke to him and would sort of pass him along to the jazz guys because I didn't know him very well. And I, I regret that. This is a song, I regret that deeply. This is Charlie Hayden from an album, Family and Friends, Rambling Boy. He does a lot of roots rock music with uh, Bruce Hornsby, Ricky Skaggs, Dan Tominski of the Allison Krauss Union Station Band, so on and so forth. And this is a weird one because he's really a jazz guy, right? He's, his, his, his heart and soul is in jazz, hipster stuff. And... Uh, the John Goodman character in Inside the Will and Davis is based on Charlie Hayden. Anyway, this is what Charlie's singing and playing a song near and dear to his heart. He's singing and playing O Shenandoah, the classic ballad. Now, he wasn't really a singer, but it was towards the end of his, his line, the end of his life, rather, pardon me. And like Bob Dylan with his new album, Shadows in the Night, there's something about a guy late in life putting their heart and soul into a lyric that whether they have a good voice or not, you just can't beat it.
As any musicologist can tell you, as anyone interested in Americana can tell you, Shenandoah is, oh, Shenandoah, the ballad that we just heard, is not about the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. People think it is. It's not. I was talking to Richard Thompson, the great guitar player from Fairport Convention. He's one of the few guys I've ever met that knows the true story. It's about the Shenandoah River in Iowa in the Midwest, which is, of course, the state where Charlie Hayden's from. And that is Charlie singing O'Shenandoah off Charlie Hayden's album, Family and Friends, Rambling Boy. They should have a colon or a semicolon in there, should they not? Pat Metheny on guitar, 
Jerry Douglas doing the beautiful dobro. For those of you that like bluegrass like me, that's Stuart Duncan on the fiddle and a guy named Russ Barenberg on the guitar. I have no idea who that is. Yes, that was me reading it off the CD booklet because I didn't know that. But that's the great Charlie Hay, and he's mainly a jazzer, as I said. As things got going in L.A., and I met more and more bands and more and more folks, there was a wonderful band from Davis, California. That's up kind of near Sacramento. And it's where people like Steve Wynn and Russ Tolman went to school. And uh, so many, many musicians came out of there that were undergraduate students. Anyway, the band True West, they got their name from the Sam Shepard play, and they were a fantastic band. And Kevin, the bass player, is no longer with us. And uh, they were part of the Paisley Underground, I guess. I mean, people said they were, even though they're way up in Davis. They weren't part of the original Paisley Underground that we had back in L.A., but they were one of the offshoot bands of it. And certainly a band that the, the, the Long Riders, the Dream Syndicate, the Bangles, and Green on Red played with many, many times. I'm singing backup on this song, along with Stephen McCarthy. It's from their Immortal Drifters LP that was recorded at the Automat in San Francisco with the great Paul Mandel producing... This is my friend Gavin Blair on lead vocals and a bass player that was a great guy that's no longer with us, uh, Kevin. And uh, my friend Russ Tolman on the guitar. Boys, take it away with a song called Morning Light off the Drifters LP. Hey, the Drifters should put out an album called True West. That would make sense. Roll 
Tolman and Richard McGrath on guitars. A band that never made it. Well, they didn't even make it as far as the Long Riders or, or uh, Green on Red or the Dream Syndicate. And believe me, True West were terrific. When I say they never made it, none of us made it. But I meant True West never made it to a major label, and they should have. Then they came over here to play uh, in 1985, as did so many of our American friends. And they had visa problems. I think they did like one gig, or did they do any gigs? They couldn't get work permits. There's a whole visa problem. It's just a terrible scandal. But believe me, folks, True West, the album is called Drifters. It's been reissued on a package called Hollywood Holiday Revisited, because Hollywood Holiday was their first record. I think it's on the Demon record label. But whatever it is, it's a fantastic package. Hollywood Holiday and uh, True West, a much-missed band. I, I uh, must have seen them play. Well, we toured with them. I must have seen them play 20-something times. Ungaligable. Also ungaligable were the Beat Farmers, B-E-A-T, a... a, a a funny old spelling like Cole Porter's C-O-A-L. The Beat Farmers from San Diego, California, the opposite, almost the opposite end of the great Golden State. That's down by the Mexican border. And the Beat Farmers were Dan McLean, a.k.a. Country Dick Montana. You know Handsome Dick Manitoba? The Dictators? Dig his name. Now dig this. Country Dick Montana. Got me? It's like Chubby Checker took his name from Fats Domino. You get it? Fats equals Chubby. Domino equals checker. Okay. Same kind of thing. And Dan McLean is no longer with us. What a tragedy it was when he died over 10 years ago. He was the leader of the band, the drummer of the band, in many ways, the heart and soul of the band. And Bernard Siegel, the guitar player and singer, the original singer, he quit after a couple of albums. Or was he fired? I don't know. His name on stage was Buddy Blue. And I adored Buddy too. We were going to form an album once he got out of the, form an album. We were going to form a, a band once I got out of the Long Riders. And once he was uh, out of the Beat Farmers, we talked about a band in 1988, but nothing ever became of it. This is a song of theirs off the first song of their first album, Bigger Stones. I sang on that record too, sang back up on that record. And I didn't play my 12 string guitar. I think I took the Rickenbacker 12 string that's in this very Air Force One tonight and let them use it. Buddy played it. Anyway, this is a song by the great Paul Kaminsky. Where is Paul? Good Lord, what happened to Paul Kaminsky? A great San Diego songwriter. This is a song he wrote for the Beat Farmers called Bigger Stones. It deserves a revival. Aging rock gods. Check out these lyrics. Sometimes I wanna fall asleep and die off in a dream Down. 
good song. That's on the Rhino Records CD reissue, Tales of the New West. And as I recall, that was the name of the LP when it came out on vinyl over 30 years ago. Oh my God. I guess I'm no longer a young man. Shifting gears a little, talking about those days. Touring a lot, touring a lot with the, with the Long Riders. In fact, the Beat Farmers and True Rest really toured a lot. They toured more than the Long Riders. And uh, I remember getting down to Austin, Texas, and Joe Ray, a friend of ours, Joey Domeno, she's still down there running hard-pressed publicity, if you need publicity down Austin, Texas way. And the great Joe Ray, this is a woman, mind you, said, um, I'm working with Ronnie Lane, who of course had left London and moved to Austin. And he was in Austin for a few years and a very popular guy in the scene there before he finally moved to Colorado, where, of course, he all too sadly passed away. So like these last few guys, you know, I didn't know Charlie Hayden well. Uh, I knew Gene Clark a bit, but but not uber well. But I mean, my God, I, I certainly knew the guys in True West. I certainly knew Dan McLean and, and, and uh, Bernard Siegel of the Great Beat Farmers. Ronnie Lane became a friend. And I, he would call me up. I'd be live on his radio show on whatever that Austin station was. I can't remember what it was. But last year, uh, there was a reissue that came out of Ronnie's stuff. You know, the uh, Slim Chance Band is playing once again. And in 2014, the Ronnie Lane and Slim Chance, two CD set called Ooh La La and Island Harvest came out. And it's one of those, uh, it's, it's got some outtakes and some, some different versions of this song and that. But it reminds you how fantastic Ronnie Lane was in his own right. And he was kind of under Steve Marriott's shadow, in the small faces, then he was totally under Rod Stewart's shadow in the faces in the 1970s. And when I look back on that gentle East London sweet soul and think what a great guy he was, what a great songwriter he was. I mean, he wrote Ichiku Park, for God's sake. Anyway, this is Ronnie doing his thing on a song called Anniversary with the band Slim Chance. And if you go see Slim Chance, because they're playing around London these days, they'll do Anniversary if you yell it out. I'm gonna meet you on the dawning. I'm gonna find you with no warning. But I won't bring you flowers unless I find somebody rolling. Cut grass, you don't make it. You already got the gold. Got the gold. Got the gold.
Anniversary by Ronnie Lane. A mid-70s song that sounds completely contemporary with what the guys and gals, the young hipsters are doing in Brooklyn's neighborhoods, Park Slope and Williamsburg. Or for that matter, Chicago or Louisville or a lot of acoustic hipster music sounds like that in America today. And if you added a drum kit to the Cole Porters, we'd sound like what you just heard. Last December... I was in Spain. The Long Riders were, we did four shows in Spain last December. Very well, I'm not kidding when I say we're very, very well received. I think we'll do more here in 2015 because there's going to be a Long Riders box set. And of course, we should get together and support that, right? Anyway, so I'm in my hotel room after a rehearsal in Madrid. We're going to play the first show the next night. And the phone rings at about midnight. And that's never a good sign. So uh, I pick up the phone and it's Billy Bragg, and he says, uh, Sid, where are you? Because it's not the hotel line, it's my uh, cell phone. I said, Billy, this is an expensive call. I'm in, I'm in Spain. I think I'm off the UK grid, aren't I? And he says, doesn't matter. I've got bad news. Ian McLaggins had a stroke a few hours ago in Austin, Texas. And of course, I am the guy that introduced Ian McLaggin to Billy Bragg and Wiggy, who of course then got Billy, excuse me, got Ian the job in the Billy Bragg band, which he was there for years. And uh, I knew Ian McLaggen and his wife, the former Kim Moon, Keith Moon's wife, back in Los Angeles. And they were just the most wonderful, meant for each other, loving couple you can imagine. There's a picture of them. Many of you can see if you have the LP Smiler by Rod Stewart, open up the gatefold sleeve. And the blonde lady that Max got his uh, arm in, intertwined, uh, entwined with is uh, Kim Moon. And uh, she divorced Keith. They married and were very, very happy till she passed away in an automobile accident around 2007. And then Mac died a few hours after this phone call I got from Billy. He had a stroke. He was going to go play with Nick Lowe, open some shows for Nick Lowe. They were both on the Yep Rock label. And he was going to go fly to Milwaukee. And the plane landed at Milwaukee with no Mac. And somebody called the house and it rang off the hook. And somebody went out to Mac's house outside Austin, Texas, where he'd moved to be in the same town as Ronnie Lane. But of course, Ronnie then moved to Colorado, irony of ironies. So one small face left Austin and one went there. Someone went to Mac's house that sad day and he got in, he was on the floor and he lived a little short while longer and died. The doctor did say that he, he was pretty much out of it by the time he hit the floor. So as ways to depart this life go, it wasn't too bad. McLagan, more than being just a member of the small faces of the faces and playing with Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones and Bonnie Raitt and the good and the great, I think he even played with Springsteen or recorded with Springsteen. Ian McLagan, more than that, was one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. If he'd have never played a note of music, he would have influenced me heavily as a person and a human being. The way he treated his fellow man, the way he greeted everybody. Yes, he had a temper and uh, not a dark side, but there were some shadows there as there are in anybody's life. But he was just a full-on diamond gem of a human being that is irreplaceable, irreplaceable. And it breaks my heart that I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. As I said, he was on the same label as Nick Lowe, who reminds us of a funny story that, uh, or funny fact about Ian McLagan is that Ian McLagan's writer on this tour said the following, six cans Guinness, two bananas. And that's it. That was Ian McLagan's writer for his concerts. The Great Small Face is Missed. This is a song from his most recent album, 
on Yep Rock Records out of North Carolina, the label that Nick Lowe and Robin Hitchcock are on. Ian McLagan and the Bump Band. The name of the album is United States. It's the last one we'll get out of them unless there's something in the can or some reissues to come. And the name of the song I've chosen is called, if I can read my own writing, How Blue. And the reason I picked How Blue is it sounds like a Ronnie Lane song. It really does in the backing. Anyway, this is my friend, and I miss him to this nanosecond. I guess I always will. Ian McLagan. Was that you? Was that you? Wearing a pink affair. I was dressed in black. Jack the lad, I thought I knew. How blue was blue until I met you. And that's a sad fact. I wanted you when we first met. I had no bad intentions and nothing to lose but the truth I thought I knew how much of a fool this fool could be until I met you hello misery hello misery if trouble your middle name I never saw it coming Baby, when I look at you Guitar starts strumming Was that you? Was that you? Your arms around another man Kissing you I tried to get your attention That you were gone Like a song on the radio I thought I knew How blue I could feel Hello, misery Stone's Faces Ranch, but it started out very Ronnie Lane. Anyway, that's Ian McLagan. Died 69 years young and left hundreds and hundreds of friends 
and 10,000 smiles behind him. What a diamond of a geezer. Next up is a guy, talk about a legend. He had a temper himself. Sam Moore was the Sam of Sam and Dave. And I'd seen Sam and Dave. I'm an old dog. And they were one of the best live acts I've ever seen in my life. I'd say top five, maybe even top three. And I love Sam and Dave to pieces. You all know him from Soul Man and Hold On, I'm, Hold On, I'm Coming. And all the Stax, Stax Volt hits of the mid and late 60s. Anyway, Sam Moore separated from Dave and he went out with a different Dave and Dave went out with a different Sam. It was pretty ugly. But Sam Moore was going to recut Soul Man for a uh, movie about a white kid that uh, dyes his skin black. I can't remember who it was in. It's like a, uh, a John Howard Griffin story, Black Like Me, but in a stupid Hollywood comedy sense, not in any kind of fighting racism sense, as in the John Howard Griffin book, uh, Black Like Me. And they needed somebody to do the duet on Soul Man. And a lot of people thought it was offensive, so they could get a white guy to do it. And I believe the guy that finally did the, du the duet with Sam Moore was Lou Reed, another guy no longer with us. Point of the story is I was roommates with Rockpile's Billy Bremner at the time, not the guy from Leeds United, but the Rockpile lead guitar player. And Billy was playing on the sessions for the record. So he invited me down a bunch of times and I hung out with Sam Moore. And I remember playing basketball with Sam Moore. I've played basketball with Sam of Sam and Dave. How weird a world is that? And Sam Moore was a great guy, just a lovely guy. He was thrilled when Clinton hit the White House because they're both from Arkansas. And, uh, you know, he never had any kind of temper around me. I just, and I did after a while, once I got to know him, I broke etiquette and asked him a lot of record collector questions. I couldn't resist. One of Soul Music's greatest voices. This is from the album Soul Men that originally came out in, I believe, 1967 with uh, Dave back in the day on Stax Volt. And this is a brilliant track. You've probably not heard. It's just an album track, but it's wonderful. It's called Rich Kind of Poverty.
is Southern Soul. Don't give me that Northern Soul about Manchester. I don't care. I mean, how can you call it Northern Soul? All those acts you're playing fellas are from down South. And if they're from up North in America, they were originally from down South. Ask Leroy Jones, the great writer, he'll tell you. Sam and Dave, rich kind of poverty. Not which kind of poverty, rich kind of poverty. Moving forward, back to my contemporaries, Green on Red, who I don't think ever recorded a Sam and Dave song, had some fantastic records out going head to head with the Mighty Long Riders. And they had one called No Free Lunch that was actually a cassette only release at first, I thought, as I recall. And it was produced by Dan Stewart, their main man. Alex Big Dog McNichol was, and I mean was, their drummer. And he passed away a few, he passed away in 2004. I believe he was 34 years old. A tragedy gone way too long. And they kept going, but sometimes there's a chemistry there that maybe it's not quite the same when you've changed the lineup. But this is with Big Dog on drums. These are my, this is Chuck Prophet on lead guitar and Jack Waterson on the bass, Dan Stewart on the guitar. These are all buddies and they're all around, save Alex. Alex up there in heaven, checking them out. This is Green on Red doing a wonderful song, an autobiographical song of what Dan Stewart was up to in those years called Keep On Moving."
Great Green on Red. If you've never seen Green on Red, if you haven't seen Green on Red, I you I don't know how to tell you what you missed. They were magnificent live. Just what a great band. Good bunch of guys, too. Dr. Feelgood. Now, Lee Brillo was a friend of mine, like the, the, the uh, Green on Red guys were. I knew Lee Brillo, and Lee Brillo knew me. He couldn't have been any more friendly, supportive of me personally, supportive of my career, Kind to me as I reach over to the right. Zoe Howe, are you listening? I've got somewhere. There, there's a couple. This is one of the last harmonicas that Lee gave me. When Lee died, Lee Brillo died in 95, April 95. He died when he died the same week Kurt Cobain died. And when Lee Brillo died, he had, he had a harmonica deal, meaning uh, when he went on stage and played harmonica, someone had seen it, and he'd gotten an endorsement deal with Honer. So he had all these harmonicas that he got for free to play on stage and then throw in the audience. And people would see that Lee played this particular brand of harmonica. And consequently, the idea is that you'll go out and get one so you can sound like Lee Brillo. So Lee had 40-something harmonicas in a plastic bag and he was dying of cancer. And in the hospice, he told Kevin uh, Morris, the great drummer for Dr. Feelgood at the time, he said, give these to Sid. So I have about three or four left, which I will never play. I've used the other 36 or 38. And I will never play these final harmonicas of Lee Brillo that he gave me 20-something years ago that have lasted to this day. Almost 20 years ago, I've had them. And uh, I'll never get rid of them because I, I, I loved Lee Brillo. I thought he was everything a gentleman should be. Just a great guy. Looked good in a suit, too. And the thing about it is, they did an album with Pitt Williams in 1985 after the Longriders had done our State of Our Union album with Looking for Lewis and Clark. And that's when I first met Lee. And then when I moved over here, I was hanging out with him all the time at the Oyster Bar in South End on Sea in Essex, which is another story for another time. But the point is, Lee was very supportive of me and the Cole Porters and the Long Riders and uh, miss him deeply. And the, the Long Riders, the Long Riders recorded a song of Stephen McCarthy, our guitar players, called Lights of Downtown. Well, so did Dr. Feelgood. Dig this. From late 1985... Just a few months after our version, this is Lee Brillo singing Stephen McCarthy's brilliant Longwriters composition, Lights of Downtown.
on the Grand, that's their label, the Grand CD reissue, CD11, that's their, the number, Grand CD11 on Grand Records, the name of the album is Classic, the song is Lights of Downtown, it was a Long Rise original done there by Dr. Feelgood, but you don't get Sid Griffin's blistering lead guitar solo on their version, but it's a fine version, and Lee Brillo touched the, he was just, that didn't touch the hearts of everybody that knew him. Well, I think that he did. That's not in dispute. But he was such a gentleman and so well-mannered. And if you see the marvelous documentary on uh, Dr. Feelgood and Wilco Johnson called Oil City Confidential, do not miss it. It is really a wonderful documentary. You'll see what I mean. Lee Brillo was a rock and roll gentleman in the way that so many people aspire to be and weren't. Ahmed Erdogan of uh, Atlantic Records, another rock and roll gentleman. But there are very few of them, and I've uh, always sought to be one. A guy I sought to, in, in many ways, uh, wanted to model my manners on, wasn't just Lee Brillo, but was the late Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers. They have the Kentucky connection, but as any uh, wise guy will tell you, n- neither Everly was actually born in Kentucky. That's a fallacy, it's an error. But uh, they had a Western Kentucky connection with their father to Central City, Kentucky. They were uh, bluegrass boys down at heart, shall we say. And Phil Everly once told me, I said, you have such marvelous manners, the way you, you, you greet people, Phil. Don did too. But the way you treat your fellow man and people coming up to you going, oh, you're in the Everly, and all that stuff. You must, you know, 30, 40 years, whatever it had been at the time we were talking. It had been 85, I think, the first time I started to know him. I said, Phil, um, here it's been almost 30 years of fame for you and you have such a marvelous way of dealing with fans and your fellow man. And he says, well, you know, the way my parents raised me and Don, blah, blah, blah. And he says, actually, I always tried to model my manners on Bill Monroe because the way Bill treated people was fantastic. The public, the way he treated guys in, in, in the, uh, that came up to him on the street and so forth. And so it's interesting. In a way, the manners that I try to have are not only based on Lee Brillo or not only based on the manners that I saw displayed by Lee Brillo and by Phil Everly, the Everly brothers, but they're kind of based on Bill Monroe, who's from the same part of Western Kentucky as my late father. So irony is piled upon irony. But what are we going to hear from the Everly brothers? 
Along with his very much alive brother, Don, we're going to hear a song from their 1966 classic LP that no one bought called In Our Image. This is when the Everly's were trying to fight back and get back in the charts in the United States with uh, albums like Folk and Roll and uh, this one, In Our Image, which is their answer, really, to Rubber Soul and Aftermath and the first Buffalo Springfield album. The album is laden with acoustic and electric 12 strings. And we're going to hear the very first song of In Our Image on Warner Brothers, 1966, called Leave My Girl Alone. This is Don and Phil giving it some real mid-60s punch. Fantastic. Should have been a hit single. Check out the Everly Brothers records in 64, 65, 66, and then 67. They did have a comeback with Bowling Green. That was a big fat hit in America. But they made some great records in the mid-60s. Uh, the Price of Love was a hit single in the UK, and that's on this album, Inner Image, that I've been talking about. Anyway, my name is Sid Griffin. It's been a, a wonderful podcast forward slash evening here on Air Force One. A toast to those that are gone, people that I knew in the record business, musicians that I knew in the record business that are no longer with us. I'll have a more lighthearted and up-tempo show next time around. I'm sorry we haven't been on every other month as we originally wanted to do, but the Christmas holidays got in the way, and then this got in the way, and that got in the way, and the cold porters got in the way, and family commitments got in the way. Let me thank, once again, my dear friend, Mr. Kevin Stokes of the band Souther Still for being such a fantastic engineer this evening. Let me thank Sonia for leaving her Eastern Eastern European enclave and coming out and helping us with the opening remarks here tonight. 
Uh, God bless all of you all. Hope to have you hear this next podcast and enjoy it and groove to that in the way that I pray you grooved and enjoyed the podcast that you've just heard this evening or this afternoon or this morning or whenever you've heard it. And this is Sid Griffin saying sayonara. If you see me at a Cole Porter's gig or a Longrider's gig or your gig, come up, say hello, shake my hand. Let's be friends. As Mez Mesro said, you can't make money, make a friend. <laughs>